One second, please. Please, Mr. Kennedy. Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast. This is episode number 103. My name is Adam. With me today we have Kevin. How you doing, Kevin? Doing good. Ready for some Super Bowl action? Sure. Sure. I just watched a failed or a rejected Tim and Eric Super Bowl promo and it was hilarious. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Uh, today we'll be going over some of what we've been watching before getting into a discussion about the Oscar nominations, and we'll maybe uh, throw in some predictions there too. Finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Might throw some news in there too, because uh, there were some trailers that I wanted to talk about that came out, one specifically. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into what we've been watching. Kevin, we'll start with you this week. Oh, where should I start? So we haven't done this in a long time. Yeah, just maybe some highlights. Some highlights. Where... Or some lowlights. Oh. Because <laughs> I, I definitely have some lowlights right. this week. I have a lowlight, which this was a while back, but we didn't get to talk about it. And I really thought that you would get a kick out of me watching this. And that's Devil's Pass. Ugh. The, <laughs> the Randy Harlem movie. Uh, and one of the main reasons I've watched this was just to get your reaction. You yeah, know, when well, I when I told you that I watched it, because I knew that you would be completely surprised. I was definitely surprised. Yeah, unfortunately, this was this was from uh, coworkers. I was sort of hounded into watching this, and I made the mistake of promising them that I would watch it. I just find it interesting that out of all the movies in existence, why did they? Why were they so hell-bent on you watching that one specifically? Well, it was... We were talking before we we get a two-week paid vacation around Christmas time. So before that, I was talking about how, you know, usually on that break, I spend one day just watching movies. Where I'll just sit and watch movies all day for eight hours. And so when we came back from break, the one guy was like, Yeah, you know, I watched a movie over break, and it was called Devil's Pass. I just kept my mouth shut because I knew you hated it. And I knew if you hated it, I would hate it even more because you're a little more forgiving. Yeah. And so I just sat there quietly. And then, of course, another coworker saw it because of it. And then they wouldn't talk about it until I watched it. And then they kept hounding me and hounding me. So and then I just to make the hounding stop, I reluctantly agreed that I would watch it. How did the conversation go after you watched it? Uh <laughs> Well, the one guy knew I would hate it because I he makes fun of me and says that I'm a contrarian and that if anyone likes a movie, I will automatically hate it, which is not true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but of course, in this case, it's true because it's a shit movie. Come on. Well, <laughs> but the thing, that doesn't make you a contrarian because a lot of people didn't like that movie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, the problem, most people didn't like that movie. Well, the problem, it mostly stems from gravity. And the Wolf of Wall Street, and then they made the they made the thing they were they were saying, do you know what movie would you suggest to us? And then the one guy said, and don't don't suggest a foreign movie where I have to watch subtitles because I'm not interested in that shit. So then I followed that up with, well, for you guys, I would suggest. And then they made fun of me or saying that I had to preface my suggestion <laughs> with the words "you guys," which I think I'm definitely. I'm completely in my right to do that because you said you won't watch subtitles. Yeah, I mean, like, 
when when someone asks me, hey, uh, I'm looking for a movie to watch, I'll say, okay, well, f- for you, I would suggest this. Like, it, it's not, I don't mean it in uh, in any sort of negative way. Yeah. I, I look at, okay, well, I know that they liked this movie and that movie, and I know kind of what they're into, so I'm going to suggest something based on that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that that's a negative thing to say. No, but I think they take it as like, uh, I guess they're looking at me as sort of like an elitist. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, right. I'm not trying to be, but it's just, if you're not going to watch subtitles, then I have to cater to your non-subtitle watching, which is bullshit. Or, or you could give them a movie that has subtitles that they will assuredly like. I've been trying maybe, that. I've and been, maybe change their whole view on I've it. I've been trying to get them to watch the original Old Boy and The Raid. Yeah, The Raid is a good one because but there's not a it. lot of dialogue. Because they hear the word subtitles and they're like, uh, oh, they're missing out. I don't want to. I'd rather do found footage or by <laughs> Rennie Harlan. <laughs> it's not even good found footage. No, it's either. terrible. And the whole found footage element falls apart at the end. which And that ending is just ridiculous. I forgot that we were supposed to be talking about this movie. <laughs> but the story behind why I watched this is actually more interesting than the actual movie itself. I mean, yeah. I will give kudos to Rennie Harling for like sticking to the facts with what takes place sort in of. yeah, what takes place <laughs> in Devil's Pass. But it just he there's so many theories out there as to what happened. So it seems like he's just he couldn't pick one, and he was like, no. let's just throw them all in there. There's Yetis. <laughs> there's Yetis in that movie. <laughs> There were fucking yetis. And it, I mean, the main thing I hate about found footage is the, the whole, like, being obsessed with the ladies and the let's make a sex tape. That does happen. In, like, every lot. single one. And they think it's funny or they think it's clever. I don't know what the hell they think it is. But it's just, it's so played out and just stupid. And then I also wonder, what, like, how did they cut in the footage from the guy's cell phone? Well, that's that's the big issue I have with found footage is the the logic behind it. Like, yeah, they're constantly having to justify why they're recording and how they're recording, but but oftentimes it'll just fall apart because there's bound to be one at least one thing where you're just like, well, how did they get that shot? Yeah, where did that come from? And I this is a bit of a spoiler, but I don't care because the movie's shit, so I'm gonna spoil it. When they get to the wormhole, so yes, you've heard Yetis and wormhole already about mm. this movie. When they get to the wormhole, and they're like, okay, and they're figuring out, like, okay, what we'll probably do is we'll walk through, and we'll think of a place that we were just at, and we'll probably transport to that place. What I would like to know is, why would you pick the outside of the bunker? <laughs> okay, it took you three days to hike there. You lost all your gear. You're in, like, a t-shirt and pants. You're going to die. There's no way you're surviving. Even if it the wormhole works and you get outside the bunker, there's no way you're making it back. You're going to die. Yeah. That's just, it didn't make any sense to me. It's like, well, you might as well just sit and chill by the wormhole and die. There's a lot of that movie that just doesn't make any sense. I think I did write, did I write a review for that? I'm pretty sure I did. Um, I think you did. I think I did. I don't know what I gave it, but plus the the CGI at the end was just—it looked like a video game, like a PlayStation Two game. It was so terrible. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's not too good. And, I didn't like it at all. And I just I don't understand when you're when your CGI is that bad, your effects are that bad. Like, there's one sequence where they show it like up close, and it's I'm just wondering why would you do that? You know, it looks terrible. I gave it a four out of ten, which is pretty generous. I gave it a three because I hated it. So I, I think one of the things that made me scored a little bit higher was just the real the fact that it, this is kind of an unexplained thing yeah and that intrigues me that intrigues me too and i that's why i said i do give a little credit to harley because he sort of kept to what actually happened which is interesting and then he does go to some interesting places at the end that really caught me off guard but just its execution was so terrible and the way he just threw like everything in yeah, he definitely took a kitchen sink approach. Oh to my it. god! <laughs> uh, everything, all of it. One that was a uh, kind of a disappointment for me that I saw this week was Twenty Four Exposures, which is Joe Swanberg's latest. Mm-hmm. I guess not technically not his latest. It's one of the latest. This came out on video on demand this week, and this was a big disappointment for me. I. I don't know if other people are liking this. I don't think other people are liking this. Uh, but so basically it's a, kind of a murder mystery that it, I think that it's supposed to be like harkening back to like pulp crime novels, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work because it doesn't look like a pulp crime novel. Like they use, it, it just goes back to how Swanberg and all those guys used to make movies where everything looked really shitty Mm -hmm. and it just it looks like it was one of those things where they just kind of threw it together in a weekend and this the story is not that interesting it's the acting is terrible uh just everything about it was really disappointing to me because i felt like adam weingard and and joe swanberg and simon barrett and all these guys are are really starting to make headway in their career like they're they're starting to break out into like more mainstream stuff and their their movies are looking better they're more complex yeah but they do seem to usually follow that up with a step back it seems yeah. like and, and maybe that that's fine i mean this certainly isn't gonna i don't think that this is gonna have some sort of adverse effect on their careers because i heard i didn't get to see happy christmas at, at sundance but i heard that it's good and and that's directed by Joe Swanberg and Adam Weingard, who stars in this movie. He doesn't direct it or anything, but he's starring in it. His latest movie, The Guest, I liked a whole lot at um, Sundance. And Simon Barrett co-stars in this. He's the writer of You're Next and The Guest and all those. So it's just not very good. Basically, it's about Adam Weingard plays a photographer who's like a he's like a fetish photographer. So he sets up the models as if they were like corpses in various ways and takes pictures of them. Mm -hmm. And Simon Barrett plays a detective who is investigating these uh, murders that are taking place. These, these girls are getting murdered and and the two kind Mm -hmm. of work together in a way they, they kind of form this unlikely friendship. Do they learn from each other? Not really. (laughs) Not really. Darn it. I was hoping they would learn from each other. It's just it's just bad. It's really poorly made. It's it seems like it's just some sort of excuse to show a lot of sex on camera. 
and I didn't like it at all. <laughs> Which is, it's difficult for me to say that because I really like everybody involved. Yeah, they just let you down. Yeah, big letdown. Big letdown. I watched the original Born Identity. Well, not the, oh, really? No, the the Matt Damon one. I'm sorry. Wasn't yeah. it? Isn't this like a reboot or something? Wasn't there a Born before this? There was. There was. Yeah, there was okay. a Born Identity. Uh, I don't remember when it came out. Like in the 70s. Okay. Well, I watched the. I think I'm gonna watch this trilogy this year. It's a trilogy, right? I have no uh, idea what's going on with Born. Sort of. I, there's <laughs> there's three there's three with Matt Damon and then okay. there's the new one with Jeremy Renner. Okay. So. See, there's four. So. Yeah. See that? It's all, those things always confuse me. I can't keep up with these trilogies and then they're rebooted like a year later before you can even forget about the first one. You can probably skip the Renner one. Okay. Because that one's not good, but the other ones are. This one was not too bad. Um, the only, I had a big problem with it being like two hours long because it, <clears throat> it felt like a trailer, really, for a born movie that I'm excited to see. And then I realized that I just spent two hours watching one, but it didn't feel like it. I know it's, it's kind of hard to get at what I'm, it feels like an introduction. Mm-hmm. Like they're getting mm-hmm. you, they're getting you up to speed, mm-hmm. just like teasing you for two hours though. Yeah. Cause like, as soon as the movie starts, I'm like, I know exactly what happens. As soon as they show him like floating in the ocean, I'm like, okay, he's going to wake up. He's not going to know who he is. And then he's going to find out who he is, and then they're going to come after him, and he's going to get away. And that's exactly what happens. It's all so unbelievably telegraphed. Yeah, but you got to so remember you got to remember that this came out in 2002, and when this came out, there were the action in this movie was like completely new. Like I did enjoy the, all the fight scenes and stuff. The only thing I hated about it was the, the sound of the fight scenes. You know, it sort of has that old school um, mm-hmm. kung fu movie where the sounds are, they don't match to what's happening and they're entirely too loud, where it sounds like they're slapping each other, but they're punching each other in the face. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I remember almost nothing of that movie. For some reason with like spy thrillers like that, I just, I don't retain them. Yeah. Like I just forget, I forget plot lines. It was interesting to see Matt Damon look so ridiculously young in this film. I mean, he yeah. looks like he's 19 years old. And the weird thing yeah. is Chris Cooper looks exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't get it. I don't know how Matt Damon has aged that much from 2002 to now. It looks like he's grown, like, 40 years. It's very yeah. bizarre. And then there's the whole, and I don't know how much of you remember from this movie. And, I mean, I've watched this a while back and I pretty much forget everything. But I love the like they introduced the Clive Owen character and he like puts sunglasses on and he's one of the like assassins that's gonna kill Bourne and they're building him up and you think he's like, oh my god, this guy is a badass. This is gonna be so great when they finally meet each other in Tango. And it's like the most anticlimactic thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just Clive Owen standing like in like a little valley type deal trying to kill Bourne and then Bourne just sneaks up behind him and shoots him and then it's done. <laughs> <laughs> I think Clive Sometimes... Clive Owen has like one line of dialogue. Sometimes I like it when they do that in movies though. So. I did I I actually did enjoy it too. It just made me chuckle. 
so do you, you liked it overall then? I liked it overall. I mean, I think it did what it was supposed to do. It got me amped to actually watch a Jason Bourne movie. Like, I didn't feel that that was a Jason Bourne movie. Like I said, it just felt like a trailer for me. And now I'm ready to watch one. It just cool. sucked that it was two hours long. Well, you'll have to uh, you'll have to let us know what you think of the other two. I don't even know what they're called. Like, one's it's, like Ultimatum. Yeah, and... Born Supremacy and Born Ultimatum. Okay. I think uh, Ultimatum is the next one, and then Supremacy is the third one. Awesome. And then Born Legacy is the fourth one, I believe. Awesome. Now the the fourth one, see the, the first three are are based on the books. The fourth one, the one with Jeremy Renner, is not. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, <laughs> that should not be done. They're talking about bringing Matt Damon back into the series. Uh oh. So I don't. They they might do that. I don't know. Uh oh. Uh, I saw a pretty a pretty cool movie called Rigor Mortis. This is one that I've been kind of waiting to see for a while it's a uh, a chinese film first time director his name's juno mock and it's kind of uh, a modern take on the 80s chinese vampire story okay and first for the, the first thing about this movie it is beautiful the visuals in this movie are incredible uh, almost to a fault, where it's like everything looks almost too good. Okay. Um, if, when I was watching it, I, it kind of reminded me of the Night Watch and Day Watch movies. Okay. Remember those, the yeah. Russian ones? Mm-hmm. Kind of reminded me of that, where the visuals are just like just so intense and and amazing looking. Um, and it's it starts off really slow. It's uh, it's kind of plodding at the beginning, but it picks up it picks up the pace near the end and uh it, i really enjoyed it it was it was really fun and really creepy a lot of weird stuff i mean there's not just vampires in it it's not like a kind of a traditional vampire movie yeah it, there's like ghosts and and uh they there's like magic and they kind of create a vampire out of this dead guy and and he gets possessed by these two ghosts and it's just crazy it is a crazy <laughs> movie and it's uh it's awesome like the action in it there's a there's a good bit of action in it like hand-to-hand like martial arts and that that looks good there's some wire work going on sounds uh, this, this yeah the cg is actually really impressive is like it? the 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 effects work looks really good is there cg blood uh probably oh, some sorry. not not a lot though. I mean it's okay. not all CG blood. Okay. They they mix it up. They use some CG blood, but a lot of it's practical. Okay. But it's it's awesome. I highly recommend it. Okay. That does sound very interesting. I think you you would probably like it just from a visual standpoint. Yeah. It looks it looks awesome. Okay. I watched a crazy movie from 1971, which is Andrzej Zawalski's uh, debut feature called the third part of the night. Uh, this is this is completely out there. This is he he co-wrote this with his dad, and uh, it's a Polish film where it takes place in Nazi-occupied Poland, where a lot of the and his the director's father is one of them. 
the way they got out of like the concentration camps and everything was to spend time at this institute where they manufactured typhus vaccines by being lice feeders, which I've, I've never heard of this. So I was immediately intrigued. So what they do is for like an hour of every day, they would strap little boxes to their legs that had lice in them and they would let the lice feed on their blood. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, so this is, you know, got them out of the concentration camps and everything. So they could develop these vaccines. So they only had to do it for an hour. And then like the rest of the day, they were sort of, you know, in this institute where they were mostly like scholars and, you know, philosophers and those types of people. And so the film is sort of about that. But one of the, the side effects of typhus is that you have like these hallucinations and sort of like fever dream type deal. So the weird thing that Zawalski does is he sort of has the film have that kind of mindset where it almost feels like the film itself is suffering from typhus. Hmm. So it's just completely batshit insane. And it's all over the place. The The visuals are amazing. The narrative's just all over the place it's 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 difficult to follow but i don't think that they were really worried about narrative here it's just a very very interesting movie about something that i didn't even know existed the whole lice feeder thing during (laughs) during world war ii which i mean it's just it's so interesting just that aspect of it Hmm. i suggest you check this one out The, the only problem is is that you can't it's not available in the u.s this is one of the all. I got this from the UK. I have an all region, so I can see it. I can import it. Do it. I saw Interior Leather Bar. Fantastic. Directed by James Franco and Travis Matthews. Uh, I think this is technically a short film. It's only about an hour long, and so we talked about this before. It's sort of a re reimagining of. The 40 minutes that were cut from the movie Cruising, the William Freakin movie, where apparently there were, it was like um, a very explicit scene in a bar where there was unsimulated sex happening between men. Now, I thought going into this that it was just going to be that, you know, like it was just going to be the, the 40 minutes that were cut. Re reimagined by James Franco, but what it what it is is it's sort of this kind of experimental documentary of sorts, where rather more than just them recreating that scene, it was kind of like uh, like Franco was trying to make a statement about how we view um, sex in cinema, okay, and how for some reason it like inherently makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. And it was sort of like, because he, he got all these actors to be in this, in this scene. Right. And, you know, he hired his friend to be the Pacino character, but he didn't tell anybody anything about what they were doing. Like he gave them kind of the broad strokes, but he didn't really get into the the details. And he filmed all like the making of, and kind of explored and like he he would interview uh the guy and kind of get his thoughts and like this this guy would get kind of 
uncomfortable around it. And it was just kind of an exploration of that, that feeling. So it was much more than just them recreating this one specific scene. It was, it was like an experiment on why we feel uncomfortable when we watch sex on film. Mm. So it was actually really interesting and I actually liked it um, quite a bit. Hmm. But of course there is, you do see the scene and there is a lot of, uh, a lot of gay sex happening. (laughs) Unsimulated. Oh my. But yeah, it was a lot different, a lot more different than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I had the understanding that it was just recreating the 40 minutes from cruising. No, it's yeah. That. yeah, it's not that. It's uh, what they do is so they'll they'll in, they'll be interviewing all the actors and stuff and getting the scene set up, and then like they shoot the scene and then you see you see part of it, and then like you they'll go back to the documentary style and and be talking about what they're what they're doing, and then they'll show another part of it, and they'll have like. They'll just follow this this guy around as he's talking to like his wife and his friend who thinks he shouldn't be doing it and that it's going to ruin his career and all this stuff and it's just it's really interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I I'm not going to watch it, but that's interesting. I mean, it's only an hour long, so it's not like you have to dedicate a lot of time to it. I know, but I'm dedicating my time to James Franco. I don't want to do that. I made that mistake before, and I won't make it again. I like I like Franco. I like Franco. I just don't like his directorial I efforts. Like, I also like the fact that so many people just blindly follow him into doing something like this. Because like the guy, the guy was like, "I'm only doing this for James. I'm only doing it for him." And like all these other people were just like, "Yeah, James Franco's involved. Is he going to be here? Yeah, I'll, I'll make out with the guy. Whatever." I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Well, maybe he does. I was gonna say I'm surprised he doesn't have a cult by now. But maybe a what? A cult. Uh, I don't know. But I think maybe he does. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it seems like he does. He seems like the type of person that could easily have a cult. Yeah. Like he could make that happen. He's a pretty charming guy. In like an hour, he could have a following. <laughs> the, that's his next project. Yeah. That's his next experimental project to to see. <laughs> I could see him if, doing that too. If he can create a cult. I would not be surprised if that played you know in like two years at the festivals i'd watch it (laughs) (laughs) i probably would too (laughs) cult of franco yes exactly oh my god keep an eye out for that we just predicted it i think yep uh i finally watched inside lewin davis which we, we we didn't really get a chance to talk about and my fears were were solidified i didn't like the music which was a bummer, but at the same time, like I, I wrote on Letterboxd that I didn't like the music, and everyone thinks that, I don't know, I get the sense that people think that I hated the music, but like, it's difficult to try to explain this. Like, I respect it, I appreciate it, I can see why people enjoy it, and it is good music, it's just not my type of thing, but I didn't, it didn't take me out of the film. It wasn't like I didn't like this film because of the music. Right. I didn't like this film because of the the meandering middle, the whole like Chicago trip with John Goodman. It's just, I was just bored to tears. I loved the beginning. I loved the end. I like the cyclical nature of it. 
how the beginning was the end and the end was the beginning. I liked everything with the Gorefine's cat, with the two cats, and how he, you know, Lewin is the cat in mm-hmm. a sense. And I, Oscar Isaac was absolutely amazing in this film. And I was sort of bummed out every time he wasn't in a scene. Yeah, he was awesome. I thought he was perfect. And Carrie Mulligan, I did not like in this film at all. I wasn't I wasn't that into her either um, in this, honestly. I couldn't get past her terrible swearing. Mm-mm. Like when, when she announces that she's pregnant and she's so pissed off at him, it just, it felt so wrong. It just, it didn't work for me. It just, it doesn't seem like something that she can pull off. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know why, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was part of the character since she's this kind of wholesome folk singer. Yeah, could be. Maybe it was like it was for her character. It wasn't like her to swear. She wasn't used to it. She doesn't do it very much. Could be, could be. It's an interesting idea, and I did. I mean, I did like the fact that it sort of feels like it's structured like a song, like the beginning and ending. Well, yeah, that's chorus. what I was gonna. S- yeah, that's like, what I was going to you know, say actually about the the Chicago trip cuz to me that felt like that felt like it was part of a folk song, you know, talk singing about this weird, you know, road trip you took to Chicago and the whole movie felt like a folk song to me, like he was living a folk song. Yeah. I I did like the Please Mr. Kennedy song. <laughs> Adam Driver. <laughs> the, that, yeah, that was the only and I love that the Coen brothers don't really give you any context. Going into that scene, you know, Oscar Isaac and Timberlake are just sort of discussing the song, and you just sort of hear in the background Driver making all of his weird noises. It's just like, what the fuck is up with that guy? (laughs) And then when they do the song, like, I completely just toned out everyone else except for Driver. (laughs) (laughs) Because his portions of the song were just, they were fantastic. But it... To me, the Chicago trip, I just, I couldn't get past it. It went on way too long. I just, I didn't like the structure and the execution of it either. Just sort of, you know, like one brief scene, cut to another brief scene, mm-hmm. cut to another brief scene. And it's just like, come on, get, let's you get see, into didn't, something. That didn't bother me at all. That's weird. I mean, it's still, it was an enjoyable film. I enjoyed myself. I just don't, I think it's, you know, one of Coen Brothers' lesser films. I don't think it's an important Coen Brothers film. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I don't think it's like their best or anything, or even in, in their top five. Yeah. I saw a movie called Grand Piano. This just came out on video on demand this weekend. And it's uh, really, I actually like this a lot more than I thought I would. It's directed by Eugenio Mira. And it, it stars Elijah Wood as a, a concert pianist, very famous concert pianist, who uh, five years prior, he had a meltdown like on stage, and he kind of left the limelight, he stopped playing publicly, and he comes back for this big concert honoring his mentor. Yeah. And... When he gets on stage, starts playing, there's a note on his sheet music that says, basically, if he plays a wrong note, he's dead. And he discovers that there's someone that is pointing a sniper rifle at his face. Okay. And he can't play one wrong note or else they'll kill him or kill his wife who's in the audience. Okay. And John Cusack plays the the sniper, the person this is feels like it sort of sounds like phone booth 
it, it's, in, it's it's like phone booth, but, but it's so much hall. it's so much better. It's the most ridiculous premise ever, but the way that it's shot, the cinematography in this, it's it's almost like it's very Hitchcockian the way that it's the way that it's shot, and the music obviously is plays a very big part in it as well. Yeah, and I just I love the way that it looked. It's very fast. It's a very fast paced movie because the whole thing basically takes place during this concert so everything moves very quickly and at one point he gets an earpiece and like john cusack's basically threatening him as as he's playing so he's he's like playing this really complex music all the while john cusack's like i'm gonna kill your wife she's dead all this stuff it's like you're not helping man you're not helping um, but there's, it, it's very suspenseful as well. There's one scene where he tries to call someone for help. So he's like trying to like sneak his phone out and call somebody while he's playing without anybody seeing. And then there's a, and then there's another scene where he tries to send a text message while he's playing. And that, that seems incredibly tense. Um, Alex Winter is in this. I was going to say, I saw yeah. that he's in it. I also see that it's written by the guy that directed Whiplash. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing I wanted to mention. It is written by the guy that di- that directed, written, wrote and directed Whiplash. So the the music aspects of this are incredible. Like they're on point. I mean, all the music complements the the scene. You know, it, it just amps up the tension. Yeah, and I don't know how how they did it, but it looks like. Elijah Wood is actually playing this stuff. You know, normally in, in movies, you can always tell when somebody's fake playing an instrument. Mm-hmm. But in this, it's like, because there's a lot of, uh, a, lot of th- a lot of the takes are really long in this, not a lot of cuts. Yeah. And they use that kind of like swooping, moving camera where it's just, it's always kind of moving around and it, it looks amazing. But, you know, they'll, they'll, pan up and down like and you'll just see him playing and it just it looks so real and it Mm. was they did the same thing in whiplash when miles teller was playing the drums like it just looked completely believable Mm. and maybe he was playing some of it maybe i don't know maybe it was just pretending but it looked really awesome and uh alex winter plays kind of john cusack's uh, partner sort of and he's he's awesome in it too so it really surprising how much i like this wasn't it wasn't amazing like it didn't blow me out of the water or anything but yeah it is a solid thriller and the 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 finale kind of loses me a bit but it plays out very similarly to a hitchcock film or a de palma film so i can't really knock it too much for that yeah but definitely recommend it's, it sounds, grand piano it sounds like you were you were surprised you were i was back. yeah uh, also the the director of the film is the composer for time crimes so he has a background in music as well oh geez all sorts of connections yeah all sorts of connections yeah so definitely recommend that one i have one that i highly recommend and it's it's much like Inside Lewin Davis, you know how we kept wanting to say Inside Llewellyn Davis. Mm-hmm. This one's called Mikey and Nikki, and I always want to call it Mickey and Nikki. Hmm. But this is from Ellen May from uh, 1976. Peter Falk, John Cassavetes, 
play two childhood best friends. They're in the mob together, and John Cassavetes is holed up in this, like, seedy hotel because he thinks someone put out a hit on him. He thinks that there's someone out there trying to kill him. So he calls up his childhood friend, which is Peter Falk, you know, to sort of help him get out of this predicament that he's in. And when you're introduced to John Cassavetes, he's sort of, he seems like he's snapped. Like, he's just, he's a bit manic. He's all over the place. Uh, he's, like, suffering from an ulcer. He's just extremely paranoid. He's hes just out of control, really. So you right off the bat, you're thinking, oh, this guy's just crazy. There's no one after him. And Peter Falk is just the guy just trying his best to, you know, keep him calm and try and, you know, help him in this situation. But then, quickly into it, you realize that Peter Falk is actually trying to lure his friend out into the open so he can be killed. So there, you find out very quickly that there is a hit out on him, and his best friend, his childhood friend, is actually trying to lure him out in the open to get him killed. Mm. So in the, what ends up playing out is Peter Falk has this you know plan with the assassin, but it always gets messed up by Cassavetes because he's just a loose cannon. He's all over the place. He can't keep up with them. He can't keep them in one place. He can't get them to the place that they need to be at the right time. And what turns into is sort of those two spending, like, Cassavetes' last day together. So, you know, any of those films where... Because what just came out, like, last year, wasn't there a film, like, Old Time Gangsters? Yeah, Some, wasn't it... Uh, what was that? Was it not stand-up guys? Was it not that? I think it might have been that. Yeah, it might have been stand-up guys, I think. It's pretty It's pretty much that premise. Like, he's going to kill this guy at the end of the night, and they're just sort of, like, reminiscing. You know, they go and visit Cassavetes' uh, mother's tombstone, you know, all that type of stuff. And it's all, like, just these two guys talking to one another. That's pretty much the entire film. And the weird thing is, is it feels like a Cassavetes film, but it's not, which is odd. But Peter Falk and John Cassavetes give, like, an unbelievable performance, both of them. It's just, it's pitch perfect, the way that these two guys interact. Like, you honestly think that these guys have been friends since they were kids. And just the way that they deal with their relationship is perfect. Because everything's sort of taken as, like, an attack on the other person, and they bicker and fight. And it has a lot of the type of, you know, small talk that you hear in, like, Tarantino's films. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like 119 minutes of that, just constant small talk, bickering, fighting, paranoia. It's just, I can't recommend this movie enough. It's unbelievable. Loved it. Just to see Peter Falk and John Cassavetes on screen together. No, I saw, I saw a whole bunch of stuff this week, but I'm not like, it was all like user submitted stuff. So if you want to see some more reviews that I wrote, you can go to the site and check that out. But the the last one that I wanted to talk about was a movie called After the Dark. So basically, God, this movie is so bad. I I can't even I can't even articulate What's how this called? it's the called After the Dark. It's called After the Dark now. It was formerly called The Philosophers. Okay. So the the basic premise is it's a group of uh, students, high school students high school seniors in Jakarta. They're in like some sort of uh, international school. Yeah. And they are in a philosophy philosophy class. And as kind of a final project on like the last day of school, 
the teacher kind of proposes this hypothetical situation where they all get a job. Each student gets a job and a trait, a personality trait about them. And what they have to do is there's a nuclear fallout. There's bombs have gone off. The entire world is going to be completely irradiated and they're at a fallout shelter. There's only 10 beds in the shelter. So they need to decide who goes into the shelter, lives for a year, and then repopulates humanity and who stays outside. Okay. Can't they just so sleep kind of, on the floor? It's kind of, no, because oh. there's only enough air. Okay. They would be able to ration the food, but there's not enough air. Okay. Um, so it's kind of an interesting concept, but in execution, <laughs> it is the biggest piece of shit ever. There are so many plot holes in this movie. And the first thing that's probably going to hang people up is the fact that there's no there's no risk. There's no because this is all fantasy. Okay. It's it's all just a group of students in a classroom going over this hypothetical situation and it will cut, you know, from the classroom into this fantasy world that's in their imagination. Okay. So there's never any kind of uh consequence yeah. to their actions. And they fail several times, and then they just redo it again. So there's there's actually like three redos in the movie. But the thing mm-hmm. that's so flawed about this movie is this: it's all supposed to be about philosophy. Okay. And the teacher will kind of throw curveballs at him, but but that in and of itself basically negates the whole point of the exercise because. You know, these kids work together to figure out who should go in there and who shouldn't. But then he just makes something up, like arbitrarily just makes up, uh, you know, an event that'll happen. Just throws that, it. Just throws that'll it. That'll just make them. Yeah. That'll just make them lose immediately. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> yeah. And he is a dick. And some of the things that happen are so inappropriate where I'm just like, what is going on here? Like, there's a scene because the teacher himself is playing too. Like oh, he's, so he's one of the, he's part of the group as well. Yeah. He's he's one of the characters as well. So he's playing a role and he plays like he's the wild card, but he plays like <laughs> the biggest dick ever. Like there's a scene where he tries to rape one of the Jesus Christ. one of the female students and I'm just like holy shit, like how is this being taught in a high school classroom? And also he mentions at the beginning of the game that this is a big part of your grade. And the whole time I'm like, how's he grading these people? Yeah. Because like, it's it's completely random what job they get. And like the one kid is a gelato maker. And mm-hmm. like the the one person's like a poet. And every every time they redo the game, that person gets kicked out right away. So it's like, what does he fail just because he <laughs> drew the wrong card? And then <laughs> to make matters even worse, so one of the biggest plot holes that I that I found in the movie, and there's tons. I can I can think of a huge one right off the bat. So the third time that they do the game, the one girl uh, figures out uh, like the code to get out of the fallout shelter, and and this is like a big plot point. Why is there a and code to get out? Why would you want to get out? <clears throat> because after a year, after a year, you can leave. Okay, everything's but, cleaned but up. It's, but it's protected by a keypad to prevent people from accidentally opening the door. Okay. So 
she puts in the code and they were like, well, how did you know the code? And they do a flashback to the second time that they were playing when she watched the guy put in the code. So it's like, okay, well, how, if this is a whole new scenario and these people are doing this for the first time, how can she remember what they did in a previous life, you know, in a previous scenario? Can't do that. It's it's ridiculous. And it's a huge, it's a huge part of the movie too. So it's like, that's again, negates the whole exercise. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, as soon as you sort of gave me the premise here, one of the biggest things is there's not enough air for 10 or for, there's only enough air for 10 people. Right. Yeah. And they have to repopulate the earth. So when they have new children, there's not enough air for the children. Well, that's, they, they, they begin reproducing after the year of being in there. Oh, okay. Now, not everybody survives, so in, in like in one of the scenarios, um, there were only nine people in there, so like the one girl had a kid, or she was pregnant when they left the gotcha the bunker or whatever. It's it's terrible. Like this... it is, I couldn't even believe what I was watching. Now, I, unfortunately, you made me want to watch it, <laughs> <laughs> so we can discuss it more. Yeah, it's terrible. It's really, really bad. Like I said, premise is interesting, execution is god awful. The in in reality, it is just so terrible. All the characters unlikable. The acting is really awful, just awful. (laughs) And the whole movie looks like it was shot on a green screen. Like everything looks ridiculous. Great. So this sounds great. Yeah, I'll have a review for that up probably on Thursday. Why? Just write that it's shit. <laughs> Just one sense. Well, you can go to Letterboxd and see some uh, see some pretty negative reviews on there. Uh, I'm gonna have to do that. Yeah, sounds exciting. All right, let's go. I want to talk about some couple news items real quick. Uh, this week it was announced that Jesse Eisenberg is going to be playing Lex Luthor in Batman versus Superman. What do you think about that? Oh. I, just, I don't care. <laughs> I guess that's interesting. But you were you were a fan of Man of Steel. I enjoyed it, but I'm not really excited to see a Batman that's Superman. I just I'm not interested. Not interested. I'm just I'm not. Yeah. I mean, are you? No. I mean, I, I'm curious. Like, it's a comic book movie, so I am. You're already in. Kind of. I'm kind of naturally drawn to it. Gotcha. And when they when they announce like weird casting, I, that always has me more interested. You know what I mean? Like, because when they were talking about who's going to play Lex Luthor, everybody was like, "Oh, Brian Cranston. Brian yeah. Cranston should play him." And I was like, "Yeah." But now, but uh, so if they announced Brian Cranston, I'd be like, "Yeah, cool." But they announced Jesse Eisenberg. Now I want to see this movie because I want to see what he's going to do with that character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a that lot is of people. Interesting. A lot of people were just like, Psh, no, that is not going to work. I hope he plays him as neurotic. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. Like, I, I think it, I think in my the little news post I wrote, I think it'd be interesting to see Lex Luthor as like a Mark Zuckerberg. Because that's I, what it would be well, yeah, nowadays, but, right? But the, yeah, that's true. But it is interesting, and I'm glad to see Eisenberg sort of do something different. Because I think he was getting sort of typecast there for... Yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting. 
I mean, with between him being Lex Luthor and Ben Affleck being Batman, <laughs> it's going to be... I think that's going to be a pretty uh, interesting movie to see. And they also announced that Jeremy Irons is going to be playing Alfred. Okay. And that that's normal to me. Yeah, like that. that's that makes sense. Yeah. I hope that, I totally I want to be I'm interested to see if like Eisenberg bulks up for the movie. I think that would be very bizarre. I don't know. I I don't think he has to cuz I don't think Lex Luthor needs to be I, I don't think he has to, but there's a part of me that hopes that they make him well, maybe they might. I don't know. I just think that that would be bizarre. I don't know. Uh, also, I wanted to mention the uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West trailer. Yes. Was released this week, the Red Band trailer. Yes, please. This is Seth MacFarlane's <laughs> upcoming comedy. And I'll tell you, like, I was already interested in this movie. <laughs> After watching this Red Band trailer... I think that it's probably go going to go on my list of most anticipated yeah. of 2014. Yes. And I will I, say again that I love his inspired use of Rubisi. Yeah. He, Rubisi was so bizarre, creepy, funny, and Ted, and it looks like more of the same yep. in this yep. one. Yep. So they, they released eight character posters, and then the next day they released the, the Red Band trailer, and... The Red Band trailer, if you haven't seen it yet, is fucking hilarious. Yes, yes. It it is so funny. I was I was rolling. I love the was... bit with the ice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that they they have uh, their dialect is like modern. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yes, yeah, so I love that he doesn't even try. Yeah, he doesn't care. And I just I love the fact that it's an entire movie basically making fun of how dangerous it was to live back then yes i just i find that concept to be so funny <laughs> that everyone just died. everything kills constantly. you Const- <laughs> well, what, can, what can you do she had a splinter <laughs> <laughs> oh god i i can't wait now I, I like the idea of him breaking out into movies i think that he's gonna come out with a lot of really great stuff yeah i think that that's what he needs to do and stay away from tv stop it yeah uh also in the news this week the 2014 south by southwest uh film festival released its full lineup uh almost full lineup they didn't they didn't announce the midnight series or the what's it called midnighters yeah yeah they didn't announce the midnighter series of the shorts programming i'm always a fan of the midnighter series but um they What's going to be playing there? Chef is the big one. They previously announced that. That's the new John Favreau. Yes. Interested in that. I like the idea of him returning to the indie comedy. Uh, there were a couple other ones. Uh, David Gordon Green's Joe is going to be there. They're doing a uh, world premiere of Neighbors, the new Seth Rogen. So oh, pretty yeah. excited to see that. Ryan was over the moon when he found that out. <laughs> Did you did you check take a look at this lineup? Did you see I, any? I did. There was a couple things, but unfortunately, I pretty much forgot them already. Yeah, Just... there were there were a couple there. So far, there are 115 movies on the list. A lot of them were playing at other festivals like Sundance. Like Obvious Child's going to be there. Wetlands, a um, bunch of stuff. Uh, the new Nacho Vigalondo movie, Open yes. Windows, yeah. is going to be there. I also saw Veronica Mars is going to be there. That's yeah. 
Another one Ryan was over the moon about. Just kidding. Uh, there was a couple. Of the, I mean, I don't know. I was sort of let down by what's here. Yeah, there, there was nothing that like really um, like jumped out at me. Yeah. But I, I haven't really started going through the list. So there's probably going to be some hidden gems in there, like usual. One of the things about this year is that they're doing a whole programming series on um, TV, which is kind of new. Because I remember last year they did uh, Bates Motel. Yes. And they premiered that there. This year they got a whole bunch of TV that's going to premiere. Um, the the uh, From Dust Till Dawn TV series is going to premiere there. The new Mike Judge HBO series called Silicon Valley, which yeah. I'm definitely interested in, is going to premiere there. And there's a couple other. Uh, there's a couple other ones. There's also this also marks the return of Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett's back. Oh yeah. Yeah, Penny Dreadful. Oh yeah, the Showtime that Showtime yeah. show. I didn't know he was in that. Josh Hartnett, come back. I'm time. actually interested in that. I did see a, a promo for that. I'm in, I'm kind of interested in that one. Uh, the Raid 2 will be playing there, but I read that it's just uh, one one screening. What? Yeah. And Ping Pong Summer, which is one that I was pissed off that I missed at Sundance, that'll be there too. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for... Uh, we'll, we'll have plenty of coverage coming up for that. And I think that the Shorts and Midnighters is going to be announced uh, February 12th or somewhere around there. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we can go ahead and jump into some Oscar stuff. Oscars. Ready to do that? Sure. Uh, so this year, uh, let, let's just go down. We can just go down the or highlight the big, the big ones, and then maybe you can. We could just go over what we think is going to win. Uh, best picture: We have American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, Her, Nebraska, Philomena. 12 Years a Slave, and Wolf of Wall Street. Uh-huh. There's a couple in there that shouldn't be in there. Well, again, 10 spots, only 9 nominees. You couldn't find one more inside Lewin Davis, baby? No? I'm surprised. That's one of the biggest surprises to me is that that got pretty much, what, one? I think it got one nomination. I think it was uh, cinematography. Yeah, it got cinematography. I think that's it. It, it didn't even get... Song like yeah exactly come on uh I'm gonna predict Twelve Years a Slave for Best Picture yeah yes I would agree I think that the the closest one I think American Hustle has a chance but I think just because of the nature of the film it's not gonna get it um yes I mean I hate to say this but you have a movie about slavery. That's quite good. I mean, I don't think that the Academy is going to screw that up and yeah, not I, give I'm, that award. And then also they have their first chance ever to give a black director the award for best director. I don't think they're going to pass that chance up either. Yeah, I'm also predicting 12 Years a Slave uh, for directing. I think that Steve McQueen's got it locked. Also nominated in that category is David O. Russell for American Hustle. Uh, Alfonso Cron for Gravity. Um, Alexander Payne for Nebraska and Scorsese for Wall Street. Now, don't Street. don't get me wrong. I think McQueen does deserve it. I think he does deserve the award. Out of the people you just mentioned, I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. His direction was the best. I don't know, Kron, I don't know, Gravity, that's got a good shot too, but um, let's see, actor in a leading role, we have Christian Bale for American Hustle, Bruce Dern for Nebraska, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Chidwell Ejiofor for 12 Years a Slave, and Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club. What are you thinking on that one? Oh, oh that's a tough one. It's a tough one. I'm saying DiCaprio. I think it should be DiCaprio as well. Better not be McConaughey. I mean, I liked him in that movie, but I can't believe he won the Golden Globe for that. Yeah, it was a surprise. I'd say DiCaprio. I'd be okay. I'd be pretty happy with anyone winning that, really. Any one of those five. A documentary feature, Act of Killing, is what I'm predicting on this. But yeah, if, that also... does, if that does not win, <laughs> if 20 feet from starting fucking wins that, I will Now, I haven't pissed. seen 20 feet from starting, but it didn't really who appeal you, to me. Who the hell wants to see it? Who gives a shit about backup singers? Why is there a documentary about backup singers? There's a documentary about everything I know. these days. God. Uh, also nominated is The Square, Dirty Wars, and Cutie and the Boxer. I think if any of those other ones have a chance, it'll either be Dirty Wars or Square. I would the say square. The square. Even though Probably I, I, The Square. I tried yeah. to watch The Square and I couldn't finish it. I didn't I didn't attempt to watch it yet. That is on Netflix, so you can check that I think they're Actually, all, I think a lot of these are on Netflix. I think all five are on Netflix. Maybe not 20 feet for stardom, but I know the other four are. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. We got actor in a supporting role. I'm just kind of randomly going through just, these. There's, there's no rhyme or just, reason. Just pick them out. There's no rhyme or reason with the Academy either. So yeah, makes sense. Uh, actor in a supporting role. We have, uh, Barkhad Abdi for Captain Phillips, Bradley Cooper for American Hustle, Michael Fassbender for 12 Years a Slave, Jonah Hill and Wolf of Wall Street and Jared Leto and Dallas Buyers Club. I'm going to say Jared Leto for that one. I hope not. I'm going to say... I can't, I, again, I can't believe he won for that. He was in that I think he was great. I thought he was pretty good, but he's definitely not the best. Or Fastbender. I would say Fastbender, but I don't think it's going to go to him. Well, who do you think it's going to go to? Uh, Jonah Hill? No. Could this be his year? No. It'll probably be Leto. Yeah. Um... Actress in a leading role, we have Amy Adams for American Hustle, Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine, Sandra Bullock for Gravity, Judy Dench for Philomena, and Meryl Streep for August Osage County. What are you thinking on that one? Uh, I would hope it would be Streep or Blanchett. If it's anyone else, I would be disappointed. I'm, I'm predicting Blanchett for that. And especially if it's Sandra Bullock. If they give Sandra Bullock another goddamn Oscar, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, I'm. De- I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say Blanchett. But I, I gotta say, I'm really surprised by Philomena being Best Picture. I forgot to mention that when we talked about Best Picture. I, I haven't just, seen it, so I can't really say. Out of place, but I guess it does seem right up the Academy's alley. Yeah, it's a Weinstein, so yeah. odds are odds are in its favor. Yeah. Uh, actress in a supporting role, we have Sally Hawkins for Blue Jasmine, Jennifer Lawrence for American Hustle, uh, Lupita. Nyong'o nailed it for 12 years of slave killed it Julia Roberts in August Osage County and June Squibb in Nebraska June Squibb great great choice to add her yeah but I'm I'm it better reluctantly don't don't even get me started on Jennifer Lawrence you know it's gonna go to her I know it's (laughs) she's gonna win it's so it's they're fucking in love with her 
But I don't even understand. Like, honestly, like, there's there's some things where I don't agree with the result. But for her being nominated and probably winning for that role, Uh, I don't even get it. I don't understand it at all. Because she had so little to do in that movie. And everybody else in that movie was just as good as her. Yeah. I mean, what what makes her performance better? I don't. I don't get it. I can't believe she won for Silver Linings Playbook. I mean, I thought that that was I mean, an absolute. I don't. I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree with that. But at least I can kind of understand that she was. She actually had something to do in that movie. They're like just in love with her, and they want her up on the stage, giving the quirky acceptance speech and doing interviews and they're just madly in love with jennifer lawrence i'm gonna i want sally hawkins to win that i would say lapita or sally hawkins oh yeah lapita too i don't i don't i mean i think that julia roberts that might have been like one of her best performances but compared to everyone else no yeah i don't think it's close to it 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 might be on par with jennifer lawrence a little bit better than jennifer lawrence better yeah animated feature film we have The Croods, Despicable Me 2, Ernest and Celestine, yes. Frozen, and The Wind Rises. I just bought that. Oh, yeah? Bought it from the UK. I'm waiting on it. Because cool. it's not out in the US. Bullshit. I hope it's... that wins, because that just that looks amazing to me. It looks like the Charmin commercial. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like. Every time I see it, I think that it's the Charmin commercial. I wonder, I wonder if it's the same animator. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to predict Frozen. Yeah, probably. But I kind of hope the wind rises. I would, I would enjoy that too, but I doubt. Just because it's his, you know, it's Miyazaki's last movie. I think he deserves it. They might, they might do that. Maybe. Something tells me Frozen though, because that's a, yeah, that's huge. That's like crushing records and stuff. Well, they're doing sing-along showings now. Yeah, I saw that. Great for kids, horrible for parents. Uh, cinematography, we have The Grand Master, Gravity, Inside Lewin Davis, Nebraska and Prisoners. I'm going to predict Gravity. Yes, Gravity's going to win, obviously. Um, any, let's see, we could do visual effects. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict Gravity on that one, too. Yes. Also nominated is The Hobbit, Iron Man 3, Lone Ranger, and Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, foreign language film. I haven't seen some of these. I've only seen two of these, actually. Uh, Broken Circle Breakdown, The Great Beauty, The Hunt, The Missing Picture, and Omar. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm predicting The Great Beauty because I heard yeah. really great things about that. I think it. Yeah, I think it'll be The Great Beauty. Uh, let's see. I haven't seen. Have you watched any of the shorts yet? No, I have not yet. Yeah, we we're gonna be covering the shorts. We we do have a review up for the animated shorts, and I did watch all of them, but we'll have more coverage on the other shorts later. So I I can't really predict any of those since I haven't seen most of them. Uh, original score: We have the Book Thief, Gravity, Her, Philomena, Saving Mr. Banks. I would hope her. That's what I'm predicting. I'm also predicting her for production design. It'll probably, yeah, that should definitely win for production design. But I have a feeling that a score will probably go to Desplat or Williams. I could see her easily being 
snubbed for everything. Because, you know, the you, thing, usually that that happens a lot yeah. where there's like one movie that gets nominated for a bunch and, and it just gets completely snubbed. I would hope that the one thing that if they only win one award, I would hope that it would be for best original screenplay. I don't know. I think American Hustle has a really good shot at that one. But I think it should be her. Because, I mean, American Hustle, I mean, how original is that? Exactly. You're, you're like, basing it off of something that happened. Yeah. Like, yeah, you take artistic license with it, but the whole concept already exists. Yeah, I agree. That's pretty much <laughs> it. I mean, there's uh, there's some songs here. Happy from Despicable Me 2, Let It Go from Frozen, The Moon Song from Her, and Ordinary Love from Mandela. You forgot Alone, alone Yet freedom. Not Alone from Alone Yet Not Alone. Who? What movie is that? What is well, that? That that got removed. Oh, it did. Yeah, they revoked that one. <laughs> what ha- what happened? Okay, so I did not hear about this. the The thing is, the the guy on the Academy that decides the nominees nominated himself for that song. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, huge conflict of interest. So they uh, people people were like kind of pissed off about it, so they they revoked it i you know what i actually applaud that that is a ballsy move (laughs) it is a ballsy move (laughs) i like that guy why not so there you have it oscars uh airing live on abc march 2nd seven o'clock eastern you probably don't need to tune in till about eight or nine (laughs) (laughs) but i'm sure that there's going to be Red carpet coverage for like five hours prior. Oh man, the first two days are going to be red carpet coverage. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Oscars red carpet live presented by Nissan. <laughs> uh, good lord. I don't know. What are you? What are you thinking overall on the Oscars this year? I don't care. I'm. I'm serious. The, the, every year passes, and I less and less. I, yeah, and I lean, less I lean. And... <laughs> I lean more towards the Gold Globes. Like they're just they're more fun for me to watch. I mean, I'm more in to, I'm you, I am more can't. excited I'm more excited to watch the Independent Spirit Awards. Yeah, those as well. I mean for me the Academy is just a studio circle jerk. Yeah. That's, a, that's all it is. It's just them standing in circle, jerking off and patting each other on the back. Yep, I agree. Well, there you have it. Oscars twenty fourteen. Do it. Check it out. Check it out. Zoom. Zoom. Check it out. Uh, next week, uh, let's do some predictions. So last week we predicted that awkward moment. You said sixty-two. I said fifty. Actual twenty-three. Oh, mm. I thought that was going to be a little bit better. I thought they were yeah. going to like that a little bit better. Yeah. Oops. Oops. Next week we have the Monuments Men. What are you thinking on Monuments Men? Uh. Clooney. Clooney. Clooney directed. Clooney making a and star like an old school Hollywood film. Uh, here's I no, a little. I have no idea. I don't know either. But here's a here's a hint. There are some reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and this movie currently has like a thirty five percent. Wow, I'm gonna say that's gonna come up a little bit to like. I uh, yeah. Like a like a. I would hope so. Sixty. 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 I'm gonna say. F- mm, ah. See, I don't know. Like I, I I'm no, really interested in this. I, I think it looks fun, pretty fun. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's it's. It doesn't look good, but it looks entertaining. I'll say 55. I don't know how many reviews have been counted so far. I didn't look that up. I just saw that Labor Day has a 32%. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Thank you. 
that's that's one I will not be seeing. Uh, the Lego Movie. Ooh. Now I am so I'm so excited for the Lego Movie. I've been watching all the like the TV spots and stuff for this, and each one I just I laugh and laugh and laugh. <clears throat> I think it's gonna be great. So I'm gonna say like 86. Mm, I'm gonna say 86. I'm gonna say 88. I mean. It's a movie made with Legos, mm-hmm. about Legos. Mm-hmm. That sounds amazing. And it's got an amazing cast, too, a voice cast. Yes, please. And it's directed by the guys that did 21 Jump Street. Come on. Exactly. Vampire Academy. No, thanks. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, uh, what are you thinking on Vampire Academy? They suck at school. Ooh. <laughs> mm, Clever. Pun. Clever. Like it. Wordplay. Uh, six. I'm going to say 18. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to be buying into this this thing. Uh, in limited release next week, we have A Fantastic Fear of Everything with Simon Pegg. Oh, shit. We talked about that like two years ago. Two years ago? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Finally getting a U.S. release. It's bad. Yeah. Don't see it. I, I saw nothing but bad things. It's bad. It's very bad. Uh, After the Dark, which we previously mentioned... <laughs> Did you Probably. gave that a glowing review? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Quite good. If you're into philosophy, <laughs> kill yourself. <laughs> no, actually if you're into philosophy, you will be offended by that. I can imagine. <laughs> a field in England, Ben Wheatley. Okay. Huh? They released a new poster for that this week. Jay Shaw did a poster and it looks amazing. Fantastic. I'm waiting to see that so where I can I need I need subtitles for that film. Mm, I don't mm-hmm. understand a goddamn word they're saying. Mm. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of tricky. It's a tricky movie. And it, I, Nurse, feel, I feel like you really have to understand what they're saying. Yeah, probably. Uh, Nurse 3D. <laughs> this is Name says it all. Name says it all. I'm going to say it too. Nurse 3D. And Love and Air Sex. What? That was, uh, yeah, what? Love and Air Sex. Love and Air? Air Sex. Air Sex. That was actually that's a that's a that had a title change and I can't remember what it was. It premiered at South by, and I remember getting emails about it like all the time. It's the one that it takes place I think in Austin. And it's about like a guy whose girlfriend broke up with him or something and the bounce back. Bounce back. That's it. The bounce I like back. the I like the bounce back better. Love and Air Sex is the dumbest title for anything. Yeah, it's stupid. Um, so that's pretty much it for limited release stuff. On Video On Demand next week, we have After the Dark, Ugh. <laughs> Art of the Steel, Cavemen, and Nurse 3D. I actually don't know too much about Art of the Steel or Cavemen. Mm. They, none of those sound good. No, kind of a mediocre week for Video On Demand. DVD and Blu-ray releases, we have About <laughs> Time. Oh, yes. About Time. We yes. Have baggage, baggage Claim, which is even more exciting than About Time. Banshee Chapter. Thank oh, God. Oh, some found footage horror. Is it about banshees? No, it's stupid. Oh, come on. It's, it's really dumb. Again, kind of an interesting premise, but fails miserably. It would be more interesting if it was about banshees. It would be. That would. That's what needs to be next. Banshees. Banshees. Get on that Hollywood. 
I'm I'm down. Teen like a teen thriller. Yeah. About banshees. Banshees. Blood Brother, which is a documentary that I heard uh, a lot of good things about that one. Hmm. Cutie and the Boxer. Which is, oddly enough, has been on Netflix for like the last three months. Yeah, it's been on Netflix <laughs> for a while. Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, definitely recommend that. Escape Plan. I actually had fun with Escape Plan. I had a good time with that movie. It's it's not good, obviously, but it's yeah. it's fun. It's like a good old 80s action throwback doesn't take itself that too seriously as long as it doesn't do that as long as it entertains so that's all you want and mother of george i enjoyed that one another 80s action throwback (laughs) mother of george (laughs) pretty much nailed it yeah any other any others that i missed uh there was one criterion coming out and that's jules and jim from uh 1962 truffaut's which is hailed as one of the finest films ever made. I hear that a lot, though. You know, yeah. Like I, I I always hear that it's well. This is one of the best movies ever made. Like, how many of those are there? Yeah, like a thousand. I think I think this one's like the sort of the shining jewel of the French New Wave. I I still haven't seen it yet. Wasn't it, uh, it's, it's a mad, 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 mad world coming out on Criterion? Or is that not out yet? I think that already came. Did it come? Did it come or out what, already? It either came. Yeah, I think it just came out. Yeah, because I knew that that was coming out. That's kind of cool. All right. Well, I think that that will wrap it up. Next week, I would anticipate us talking about either Monuments Men and or Lego Movie. Maybe. Are you planning on seeing either of those? Mm, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Just awesome. just a heads up. Yeah, so it should be it should be great discussion. Alright, well we'll we'll work that out. For all the latest <laughs> film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net. Be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a movie. You should have. You should have gave him Labor Day. <laughs> Labor Day. <laughs> oh fuck! That looks like the. That's just looks like the most ridiculous movie.